meeting set up. I don't use the word date. I say meeting. Meetups, um, you're that meetup link up. It's not a date. It's, it's not a date. I, it's not We're just meeting. My my view of a, of a date is very different to what most people's <laughs> view is. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dive Deep with Dush. We are in season two, which means I continue to have interesting guests on the show. Today I have with me someone from London. She's a dancer, choreographer, and captain of her own dance team. She's a small human in size, but has more than enough positive energy about her. I introduce to you, Mira. Mira, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks for making me do this. So this was a long journey from the UK for you? hour and a half BA was fine I recommend people flying at the moment no cut that out I don't recommend people flying so how's quarantine been for you since March when it started loved it at first being off work um being on furlough the first two months was great I just danced 24 7 as much as I could then come June a wave of complete fatigue hit me and I did not want to dance, I didn't want to leave the house, I didn't want to do anything. And it took me till, I think, end of August to get out of that. Because fitness went, everything went, even my dance skills went it went out the window. So it took me a while to get out of that. But now that I'm working part-time, I'm good again. Mm, awesome. Back to schedule. So as a dancer, what do you specialise in? So I'm trained in Gathak since I was six years old, done all the exams. And what is Gathak? Gathak is North Indian classical dance, so not Bharatanatyam. People get that confused. Okay. Um, they're both very different, but they're both very, very difficult. So I've been doing that for 20 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm old. I'm old <laughs> Thanks. She's not really old. She just started very young. <laughs> um, and then Bollywood is kind of self-taught, and it comes from Gathak anyway, pretty much. So, And then I picked up Bhangra in... 2017 and I've been addicted to it since and in between that I've done like the basics of salsa and the basics of like belly and trying to learn commercial so a bit of everything really so what are like the coolest places you performed in Troxy which is in Marland it's a massive um like banquet hall auditorium that's a very nice place um so this is in London yeah in Marland I love that venue I think I've performed there twice now. Um, I did two Brit Asia Awards. No, sorry, Punjabi Film Awards and Brit Asia Music Awards. Those were incredible. Um, I have body code to thank for that, who got me into it. I guess not really a venue, but a location was Canada. I did a little something in Toronto, which is really fun. Toronto is quite big on the Indian Bangar scene. It's huge. For me personally, my favourite Bangar teams are in Toronto. Right. And I've been lucky enough to go and have lessons with them. So, yeah, Toronto is a great place to do to do dance. And aside, like, venues, have you met some celebrities, famous people? I've, I've met, all, like, my dance crushes, <laughs> who fully know they are my dance crushes. Go on, who are these people? I don't want to, okay. Um, <laughs> so, on Instagram, you'll know him as yours truly, JSD. His name's Jaskaran wicked bunga dancer like he's absolute goals and he's very sweet um he gave me some lessons and we did a video together and yeah he was really good he was tough but he's really good another one is um Brab Saini who my bunga team here know I love very much so I got a chance to do a lesson with him which was really fun um 
quite scared of him, which I think he knows, but it's a learning experience. So people say not to meet your idols because it kind of ruins the image that you have of them in their head. So in your experience, meeting these people that you look up to, how has the experience been? It was lovely. Um, there's always a lot of drama in the dance circuit, no matter where you go. But for me, I just looked at how they were to me and they were very sweet and very welcoming. Even in Brub Saini's class, the rest of the team, they were so sweet. Um, they made me feel very at home and I just was part of it straight away. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I, I follow a lot of young um, people within Instagram and I realise that all the females now seem to be posting videos of themselves dancing and it's the a lot of the time you realize it's the same routine that every girl is putting up on social Mm -hmm. media so what is your take on everyone you know dancing now i think that's kind of the beauty of these of one of the good things about quarantine is the online lessons that everyone's doing now so the same routines you're seeing are covers from lessons they've taken or Mm. dance challenges the amount of dance challenges i've seen that crazy amount there's like a new one every week and i i can't even keep up myself so what you're seeing is everyone making these routines their own. So I quite like it. It's quite, some people I find really inspiring. Mm. And it's just, it's nice to watch because everyone makes it their own. Yeah. And a lot of these people are now taking their own lessons as well, be it in, in person, in the park, you know, whilst you're maintaining social distance or mm-hmm. while you're Zoom or yeah. some sort of online format. So again, in my opinion, I'm not sure if everyone is a trained dancer, but they just seem to be having fun in what they're doing. So what is your take on everyone now giving lessons? Is this a good thing in terms of maintaining standards or is this seen as being a bit off balance? I think, okay, for me, coming from a classical background, I'm very much technique based. So the lessons, the people I've learned from, for me, are incredible. I can't Mm. fault them and I love going to them. Um, Like Body Femme for example. Um, We're not plugging that, by the way. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, so I think, I think it depends what you're teaching and who your audience is. So if I was going to teach, I would um, probably look at those who have not, who want to learn the basics. Um, so basics of like Gattak or like semi-classical even or Bangra, like Bollywood, just like beginner's level. Um I wouldn't do anything too complex purely because it's also my own dance journey. So there's a lot I can give other people, but I'm also still trying to take in as much as I can. So I think Mm. it depends on what you're teaching and who your audience is. So what is a UK dance scene like in terms of (laughs) it being positive or is it quite toxic or... I think, okay, from my experience, like I'll go from mine, it's different for everyone, positive. Um... I think a lot of that is because I, for most of my time in dance, I've not been part of a like a really big out there performing group. Um, I have my Gadda company, which I'm part of, and the Bangra team, but I'm not out there gigging and everything like that. So for me so far, it's been good. Sometimes it can be a bit of a mental battle. I don't think it's toxic, but... I mean, when you get a large group, of pe- a large group of people together, you're bound to get mm. a difference in opinion and issues. So it's not all smiles and. And this is a predominantly South Asian Indian crowd, of course. Yeah, mostly, mostly, yeah. But there's so much fusion happening right now with styles that people that don't usually watch these dances are now watching them, mm. and then they're doing their own covers, and it's just the circuit's bigger, the connections are bigger. And I think social media is a big 
big part of that. That's the amazing thing about our background is we are seen as being a bit of a hybrid. So we are、mm. South Asians, but living in the in the UK and、yeah. born, being born and raised in the UK. So we've got best of both worlds. I think so. so. How was how has your experience been then? I think a lot of my South Asianness was hidden growing up, mainly because I went to a school where there weren't that many Indians. So, and I think it's easy to get picked on as well if you're different. So I love. I was very like the, I was a kid that kept my head down, did my work. I was that kid, very shy. I went talk. I still don't like to talk. <laughs>、um, I don't think people was gonna believe that <laughs> after this. <laughs>、um, But I think I really came out of my shell and really started to embrace the Indian in me. Probably sixth form, university, because it's just like it's part of me. I'm not going to hide it for other people.、Mm. So it's just, and I love it. Like I could go out wearing like a lenga all day if I could. I love it. But there's never been a clash that you felt between the two different cultures. So be、not、it within、really. your household or、no. when you're outside of your household. Well, there's the conversation between me and my non-Indian friends about just general living. So, I've got friends whose parents are really chilled, whereas for a lot of South Asians, it's not that simple.、Mm. Most parents are quite strict, or maybe a little bit controlling, or just they keep you kind of under within a shell a little bit for a lot longer. Yeah. So you usually get your freedom like. Mid twenties ish. There's、mm. not everyone, but some people are under that. Yeah, I I definitely think it it differs from household to household、mm. and the upbringing of of our parents and and the,、yeah. that previous generation. So, personally, for me, I definitely hold both values, so both British and Indian values.、Um, just the taste that I have as as a as a young person. So I love Indian food. I, You know,、mm. Indian food is everything to me. But at the、yeah. same time, I want curry sauce and chips, <laughs> which is seen as being quite, you know, a very British thing. Even、yeah. though it's curry sauce, it's a very British thing. Or a good English fry up for a、mm. breakfast or something like that. Of course, be it be it the vegan side, and and then sometimes I have like these internal clashes where, when it comes to sport, for instance. Um, if it's football, of course I support England, England till I die, sort of a thing. But when it comes to cricket, no, no, no. India. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm supporting India. India, yeah. And then when India are facing in England in cricket, people are asking, "So who are you going to support?" And it's like, it's a India, tough one. I, yeah,、I'm、but、India. as a sport, for some reason,、mm. when it comes to cricket, it's got to be India. So I have these own internal clashes, or when I'm listening to vibing to music,、um, and someone's with me, my playlist consists of both a lot of. You know, UK hip hop or garage music or grime music, and all of a sudden it's got this whole Indian playlist as well, where it's Bhangra music or Bollywood music, and and if you're a non-Indian sitting in my car and the playlist changes, you're very confused as to what's happened to the change in music. So I definitely have this little bit of an internal battle sometimes between、mm. the two cultures. So have you had the same? Yeah, I think it's quite natural for everyone because you, who you are, who you are, kind of it varies with who you're with. So I wouldn't be blasting like my romantic Bollywood songs with my non-Indian friends unless they want to hear it. That'd be great.、Um, <laughs> but again, like I wouldn't blast Bangra with my mum in the car. Like she's not the biggest fan. Yeah.、Um, but with some friends, what I want to do is listen to like Jason Derulo or Chris Brown or Drake. Like I have different phases and moods. So I have like a whole playlist of like sad songs, happy songs, like just for every genre of mood. But I don't think I felt. A, I don't think I felt it as a clash. It's more like 
it's who you're with. It's who your surroundings are with. Yeah. So you have to be a bit of a chameleon, I guess, and adapt. Yeah, it's it's still being you, but it's like which part of you. Yeah. It's which part of this you. This is true. Mm-hmm. You have multiple facets. <laughs> we, yeah, there's, a, there's so many different sides to everyone. It's just what you're seeing is a mere fraction of it. And in terms of a household, so I know for for me, and uh, I, have, I have a sister, and how we were born and raised within an Indian household differed between the two genders. It can be seen as being quite backwards, I suppose, now, but the way in which my sister was raised, she had a lot more precautions or a lot more rules that she had to abide by, whereas I would say I, I had it a lot simpler. Not significantly did. simpler. No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Not significantly simpler, but I would say less less hassle than what my sister went through. So... Being from the Indian household, and I know you also have some brothers, what has been the difference for you? Oh, there are a hundred thousand million. It's, it's definitely an issue. <laughs> um, one that I battle probably daily at home, and I think a lot of other girls do. Um, so what are these battles? I, I don't even I really know where want, to start. I really so, want my... so, for example, so I'm the youngest. I've got two older brothers. And I don't really recall growing up with with my parents wanting my brothers to learn how to cook and clean. Mm. It was always me. I had to be the one that has to make perfect round rotlies, which I can do. <laughs> I had to be the one who has to learn how to cook this, that, X, Y, Z. Just for my audience, rotlies are chapatis. <laughs> and the goal is to get them as round as possible. That's the goal. Mm. Uh, then, uh, If you don't, then you're not wife material. That's, that's the kind of general rule. Sad times. Um, very sad times. <laughs> so I think that, I mean, there's so many different as- aspects to this. Um, that's like internal. It's a household thing. And I understand why it's like that. But what I don't agree with is that these views don't change or they're not questioned enough. So... When I have these arguments and debates at home, it's just the answers I get, I kind of like, it's how it is, or, but that's not good enough. Mm. Um, it's kind of like, oh no, it'll get done for me, oh no, she'll do it for me, or I don't have to learn how to do that because it'll get that done for me. Mm. So that's an issue for me. Like, that's something, that's the first thing I look at when I meet guys is, are they a mummy's boy, or are they, can they actually look after themselves? Mm. Like, it's just to, I think a lot of girls my age also look at the same thing because we're busy. We have careers, hobbies. We have a lot of things going on. It has to be like it has to be equal and shared. Yes, I guess it's a matter of changing perspective mm. and change perspective in the sense that these skills they are life skills. Cooking yeah. and cleaning is not a chore. You have to it's be able to thing. look after yourself. Exactly. Very. It's very. It's actually really really simple, but they just don't see it that way. And I think a lot of I think girls who have brothers or in a mixed family will understand that. But thing is, at the same time, some people I know have really chilled parents. So it definitely is different from house to house. But yeah, it's a problem that I think hopefully with my generation, the next one is something that will change. So something that, again, you've touched on that I want to delve into a little bit deeper is dating. Thank and God. this is a subject which is, um, if you've been listening to my podcast, you'll know that I speak a lot about and it's something that is, people request a lot of me to yeah, speak about. Yeah, they do, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so today I have the opportunity to sit with a young Asian girl 
Um, I want to know your experience. <laughs> How is your experience with dating been? Um, to put it out there, I don't like dating. <laughs> like, I don't like it. No? <laughs> I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like, I will start with one person and it becomes a relationship and that's it. I don't like the idea of dating different people at the same time. I just, I hate that. Um, but what I've learned and realized is that's all everyone does these days. It's very it's a rarely, numbers game. It's a, it's a game. It's a massive game. And I get the idea is you want to learn about people. And I get that you want to get to know them. But there comes a point where, like, how long does that process go on for before you can pick someone? And the idea of someone having to choose me or, like, I'm, like, a third in line. Like, I don't like that. Mm. I prefer just to talk to one person and let that develop. And if it fails, fine. If not, great. But dating is not something I enjoy that much. Well, I guess it's it's to do with dating apps. Everything, the root the cause of multiple dating comes from the usage yeah. of dating apps. So be it Tinder, be it Hinge, be it Bumble, mm. um, Coffee Meets Bagel. Um, What's Coffee Meets Bagel? I think that's like the American version of Tinder. Never heard of that. And of course, there's some Indian-specific or Asian-specific apps as well. There are... Dill Mill is the biggest one, I think. Dill Mill is the biggest one. Um, I don't know any other Indian ones, actually, that I can think of. Dill Mill is interesting. Shadi.com. Shadi. That's guess... the OG. That's the original. <laughs> so Shadi.com, Shadi. Gujarati matrimony, Hindi matrimony, Punjabi matrimony. Like, there's so many that delve yeah. into like regions and cultures. But Shadi.com is like the... So the one parents use so for their kids. Just a direct translation of shadi.com for my viewers. Shadi meaning wedding. So there's websites in which you're literally just finding your partner. Um, yes, it's probably a form of dating. I guess you do meet your partner, but it's meant to be a bit more... Formal. Yeah, to the point where <laughs> it's perhaps one or two meetings and you've made your mind up and now, yeah. now you're looking to get married. Yeah, you have to... I think on there you have to upload like a bio data which is a very Indian thing. It's like a, it's like a CV for dating. Yes. Um, and it can be very detailed or very... Um, what's the opposite of detailed? Not detailed. Not detailed. <laughs> vague. Vague is the word. Well, yeah, um, I would never go on shadi.com, ever. I just, I can't see it happening. But I've, I've had Dilmil for a while. Um, I think I had it for about a year. And at first I kind of enjoyed just swiping. Mm. Um, and just seeing different people. Yes, um, it, swiping is literally dopamine hits, right? Yeah. Because you, you, you see someone attractive and you're like, hey, this person looks pretty cool. Yeah. You swipe right for them and they see your profile and they, they swipe, swipe right and all of a sudden it's like, match. yes, yeah, exactly. So you continuously use the application just to get matches to see who yeah, else that's you, the you thing. find attractive also finds yourself You can get attractive. a lot of matches, but a good conversation, not so sure about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it varies. There's a lot of different people on Dilmill. Some good, some bad. Um, I've met some nice people. <laughs> yeah. Some strange people. <laughs> um, but it came to a point where I just didn't enjoy it anymore. So I think with for someone who's not really into the whole talking to loads of people thing, it can make you feel kind of dead inside when you do talk to these people and you have a meeting set up. I don't use the word date, I say meeting. Meetups, um, you're that meetup, link up. It's not a date. It's, it's not I, a date. It's not, We're just meeting. My, my view of a, of a date is very different to what most people's <laughs> view is. But the thing is, when you meet all these people, like a different one every week or a different one every two weeks, it makes you feel very dead inside mm. because it's like no one sticks out for you. No one resonates with you in that deeper way. So for me, it's just exhausting. Like mm. I don't have the energy for it. 
And in my, in my head, I was like, I'm not desperate. So why am I doing this if I don't enjoy it? So I eventually, I just stopped using the app and then I deleted it. <laughs> I just deleted it. I guess this was probably honed into you as well, where um, you need to be married by a specific age. Exactly. So, so like for you know, a girl... If you're mid-20s... Uh, t- being, time's being ticking. Indian, yeah, yep. of course you're uh, ticking. I, mean, I started getting marriage bomb. questions from the age of 20. And I was like, I'm a child. I'm literally a kid. <laughs> Like, I'm not ready Still for this Still wearing Dora's Explorer t-shirts. <laughs> exactly. So for that pressure to happen early on, I think you kind of think, oh, I have to do this now. But you really don't. Like, no one has to do anything they don't want to do. Hmm. So I think I just did deal mill to... Number one, I did want to actually talk to people. I just see. It's just a way of exploring. Yeah. Because I've never done that before either. I've never actually gone out of my comfort zone and done that. So that was interesting. But I'm like, it's not me. It's not for everyone. Um, it depends on your characteristics and exactly. your personality. Because some people are very introverted. and but be, <laughs> <laughs> So being introverted, it can be quite difficult to meet new people. Mm. And to meet new people on a regular basis, be it a weekly basis, it can be completely confusing. Yeah. And when you're dating multiple people at the same time... You can also confuse individuals. So when, oh my God, yes. When someone tells you a story, you can confuse it with person A. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have done that. I've confused careers and jobs and names even. So I knew I wasn't paying enough attention to these people. And I'm just like, it's kind of pointless. Hmm. But Hinge, I think Hinge is one that I would recommend. If I had to recommend a dating app, I would say Hinge. Purely because you get a bit more of an insight to the person. They have a little um, like get to know you questions. So... Did people read those get-to-know-you questions? Oh, I did. I didn't look at just pictures. I, I read those answers. They were interesting. They were just little facts or a question about yourself, like, what was one? Um, what would your perfect ideal first date be? Like, these are questions you answer on your profile, and people can match with you based on that. And then that's a good way to spark a conversation, not just being swiping on a picture and being like, hi. Mm. Like, that's who does that. It's not a way to catch attention. So from a female's perspective, what are what are the red flags that you see when you're on dates? What are the complete turnoffs? <clears throat> so if there's I know there's a lot of young guys that listen to my podcast as well. So if you were to give them a little bit of advice of how to be more approachable, what would it be? Don't pretend to be anyone you're not. Like don't don't kind of fake confidence. Cause to be honest, you can kind of see through that. And I think don't be all about you. Um, the main thing, like from my experience, I would just say, just don't be weird. <laughs> like, but weird don't, is don't, cool. Weird is weird weird quite quirky. Weird in a like, creepy way. Like, Don't say things that are too forward or a bit inappropriate. Hmm. Even if it's a joke, because you never know that can rub someone up the wrong way. I think wait till you're on that level of banter and then you can start making these kinds of jokes. Yeah. But don't do that on the first date. Of course, you shouldn't get too personal. Yeah, and some people will say very strange things to you. Even before you have a date, even if it's on the app. Could you provide an example? I really want to know. No. <laughs> What's the strangest thing someone said to you? Oh, it was really creepy. It was inappropriate. This is creepy. I do not want to go back to that. <laughs> okay, we're going <laughs> to leave that bit out then. <laughs> but it's just things that are a bit like um, innuendos that are not needed and not necessary. Hmm. Mm. Well, something that I've seen recently, and I think a lot of the world has seen on Netflix, is the show Indian Matchmaking. Oh, God, yeah. Which gives a supposed insight into what it's like to be dating within the Indian culture. Mm. Whether or not it's realistic or not, I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, but did you watch a show? What was your take oh, on I the show? I watched all of it. I watched some of it alone, some of my parents. Um, I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so bad, it was good. I think if people want to know about Indian dating and matchmaking, they should watch A Suitable Girl. Um, but Indian matchmaking, I think... Well, first of all, the people they were trying to matchmake were either these really rich, high-profile clients in India or just kind of like general people from America. Hmm. So that, we, and again, was a very weird thing to, weird balance um, to see the two societies. But I think it kind of glorified everything really badly. And I think for non-Indians who watch it, they're going to think that's how it's done. And it's really not how it's done. Yeah. It's really not. So I think if people want to learn about how Indians get match made. Don't watch that. That's not how it happens. I mean, it was really good entertainment, personally. Oh, it was hilarious. I think it's a lot of slick editing, which allows for drama to be... Yeah, I think they definitely edited people out to be either, like, good or bad. Mm. So, for example, people didn't like Aparna, but they edited her in a way to make her look like the bad one. Aparna was a very interesting character. I actually really started to like her. At the start, she's seen as being quite moany and mm. uh, quite in your in your face sort of a character who who just has her own quirks whether you love or hate her she yeah. was a lot like marmite and the directors the producers of the show wanted to show her from that same angle throughout the show but as we learn more about uh, aparna from i guess a more uh, western influence yeah. we realize that aparna actually has her shit together she knows yeah, what she wants. Yeah, she's the most wants. together person out of all of them, I she think. She knew exactly what she wanted in yeah. her partner, and she wasn't willing to compromise yeah. at all. And why should she? And I think that Seema auntie kept saying the girl has to compromise, the girl has to adjust. No, that's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's both. Both have to make the effort. And I think that kind of... If you're drumming that to someone's head, it's going to be really, really bad, because you're just... You're making them sacrifice their own little bits of happiness for someone else who wouldn't do that for you. You didn't get her name right. It's Seema from Mumbai. Seema from Mumbai. <laughs> Fine. Seema from Mumbai. <laughs> so Seema from Mumbai was the actual matchmaker within the show. Mm. And in fact, I think in the end, she was seen as being the villain of the show. Yeah, Because I think she was the one drumming these agreed. very old school ways of thinking and perspective into particularly the females. She wasn't so picky with the guys. She didn't really yeah. say to the guy that you need to compromise, exactly. you need to change your way. All of her dialogue was towards the females saying, oh, she's too picky. She's too educated. She's too smart. She's studied for too long. Mm. She doesn't know what she wants. And I think that's really unhealthy because if someone young is watching that, they're going to think, oh, I have to do that too. And their parents are going to probably agree with Seema Andi, Seema from Mumbai. It's, well, basically, they kind of <laughs> just to summarise, there's a lot of drama that goes on yeah, in the new matchmaking. a lot of characters. And if you haven't seen it and you want an insight into what it's like to be dating within the South Asian community, I do recommend you go check it out. It's available on Netflix and I think at one point it was number one in multiple mm. countries around the world. So do check it out. Yeah. But my takeaway from this that I want from you is... Similarly to how we wish to change the perspective of our parents or the older generation, how do we change that perspective when it comes to dating? I think you have to just be upfront with what you want. Don't um, keep it quiet until it's too late. Because you have to iron out these things from the, from the get-go. Otherwise, you're, yeah. you're being fake. And you won't really know what that, who that person is until it's too late. So you might say to someone, I don't want to be the one that cooks all the time. But mm. you don't say it, right? So you're dating and you get to know them and then you realise that 
they can't cook and they expect you to do it. So you have to have these kinds of conversations early on of what you want. Um, and if it matches, then that's great. And if not, it doesn't matter. Like, you just move on. <laughs> I think dating these days, people have become very disposable, especially with the apps, because it's just a picture on a screen and you're swiping. So the best thing I would say is be upfront with what you want. That's it. Yeah. Again, it's a fine balance where you don't want to be too personal at mm. the very start, but in terms of where you wish to be, yeah, how you like, wish the relationship to progress, mm. you need to, you do need to find eye in these things. Yeah. Where, uh, from a guy's perspective, and this is again across globally, a lot of the time they are looking for a housewife to take care of the house, to do all the cleaning, the cooking, when you have the kids, to raise the kids. And now the added pressure of, because you're educated, they want also you to go and work. So you're going to work, you're earning this salary, you're bringing that into the house to pay for the bills, mm. etc. But you're still making sure you're doing all the housework and all the cooking, yeah, cleaning. Yeah, that and sounds all like the... a terrible setup to me. <laughs> exactly. So I think by having that conversation mm. at some point very early on where yeah. this is how you wish the relationship to progress, this is where you see yourself. And actually you're both breadwinners now. You're not, mm. it's not just one person. And you need to split and balance all yeah. the things and chores within the house. And it's not even difficult to do. It's not difficult at all. It can all. be quite fun, actually. It's a conversation, <laughs> yeah. It's a conversation. And I think it's nice when your mentalities do match like that. Mm. I think that's a massive win because very rarely you'll be on someone's wavelength and they'll yeah. be on yours, very rarely. And if you're a guy that's listening to this, I personally found that I love to cook. It's not something that I was raised to do from a young age. Uh, my mother took care of my food <laughs> and sometimes my sister as well. But as I grew older, I realized cooking is such a great way of de-stressing from your working day. And it's a bit, <laughs> not to sound all weird or anything, but it's a bit like artwork where what you're producing, the flavors that you add, the different colors that you add, how you make the food taste is genuinely, for me, a form of art. And it's such an amazing way of de-stressing when I come from work on a regular basis. And the same thing goes for things like ironing. Ironing is seen as such a... <laughs> chore you know when I was uh, young but just completely losing focus of what's going on around me just focusing on ironing this shirt or ironing this you know this this trouser that I'm about to wear is an awesome way of relaxing so I do recommend you guys if you're not doing it already to to look at these things and you know give it a go not just because you have to do it but because you want to do it for your own detox on a regular basis so yes guys that's one piece of advice I'm giving you today <laughs> So sadly, we're approaching the end of the episode. Um, before I let you go, Mira, there's a couple of things that I ask all of my guests that okay. I also want you to be able to share. So number one is, if there is one piece of advice you'd like to share with my audience, what would it be? Two things. <laughs> Two things. <laughs> Two things. Know your worth. Do what makes you happy. Awesome. Amazing. Mm. I love that. Straight to the point. Yes. Awesome. And if there's something that you'd like to plug or share for my audience so this is something that they can learn about what would this be can I plug myself mm, yeah you can plug yourself <laughs> I'll allow you to plug yourself okay good hit me up for any private dance lessons and where can they find you on Instagram at Mira with three A's dot X <laughs> you will tag me in this anyway private dance lessons is something I'm starting up um, so yeah hit me up and we'll figure it out 
Awesome. So thank you so much for coming in today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think our conversations we've had have been amazing and really mm. insightful for everyone listening. Everyone at home, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and please stay tuned for more episodes of Dive Deep with Dush.